When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Yeah, uh, we've had great conversations. You know, my biggest thing coming here is getting to know those guys. You know, I want to build a relationship with them. Obviously, we started using football, workout, and all those type of things. But to me, I need to have a really good personal relationship with everyone in that room. So um, it's been good to, to kind of see where their minds are at you know, with previous schematic things and what they need to improve on. So just really getting to know them as people and getting more of the football now. Linebackers coach Rob Dvoracek yesterday in his press conference talking about relationship building, kind of a an overall theme, you could call it, with this coaching staff. It's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. 9 a.m., which means if you're in Lincoln, you're joining us now on KFOR. Appreciate having you with us. 590 ESPN Omaha here in town, and uh, as well on Twitter and YouTube. You can catch us live at Herd at Sports or at Hale Varsity, I believe, on YouTube. Uh, but right now, let's Continue the conversation of Nebraska football, some recruiting, and uh, we'll, we'll even lean into some baseball on the back end with Michael Brun, senior writer for Husker 24-7. Michael, good morning. How are you guys? Good. I, good maybe good. not as good as you, though, because you broke your ice scraper this morning. Yeah, you get uh, too much torque on that thing, and, the, and that's what happens. So <laughs> uh, I ended up having to do kind of like the old school wrestling move where like you kind of put like your leg up on the ropes for a little bit of uh, <laughs> e- e- extra leverage, and I, I got the job done, but uh, it was rough, R- rough going this morning. Uh, back in the day, I would have used like a CD case and like went, <laughs> went, went to work, man, just kind of scraped that bad boy off. If I still had like my 93 Toyota Camry from about 20 years ago, there was there was probably a burnt CD that would have been coming pretty handy, I think. Hey, when, is it too lofty? And I love that he said it. I kind of was enamored yesterday after listening to Dvorak because you know me. I, I'm a I like relationships. Kind of, that's my my babies. I want to get to know. I want good relationships with everyone in the room. And I thought to myself, ooh. Is that feasible? If so, good on you. But I do like the fact he's setting the expectation level to getting to know those guys, right? Yeah, everybody's got a good good uh, relationship until it comes time to start setting the depth chart, right? <laughs> that, that's that's usually when when things get a little testier. Um, no, I mean it's. I, I think it's a good thing to strive for. I think that's kind of how all these guys are approaching things. I mean, it, it's. Uh, the honeymoon getting to know you phase and you know that that's kind of where they're at and and we'll see when spring ball starts but i I think you know the the relationship building i think you kind of have to with the coaching change do that stuff because you need guys to trust you and for 
you know, guys like Garrett McGuire, um, probably Rob Dvorak a little bit. I mean, I, I think there's probably a little bit of uh, kind of proven it, I guess, that they probably have to do to some of these players um, just based upon maybe experience and age. So, mm. um, you know, the work that they're doing now, I think, is important once you get into spring ball and everything else. But I, I thought it was interesting yesterday. I mean, it sounds like there's still a little bit of uh, – kind of things in flux about who's where, who's coaching whom, and, yep. um, you know, what what the kind of division of labor is going to be in that defensive room. Hey, you know, you, you even heard yesterday Coach, Coach Campbell talk about getting 1% better every day, which is something we've heard before. You heard Dvorak say uh, relationship building is kind of his big point of emphasis right now. But then you hear Donovan Rayola speak, and he didn't really fit the rule gospel. Right, it was the guy that didn't come with rule to this spot. It was the only coach that he retained. Did did you look for that at all to see if Rayola picked up on any of the ruleisms, or if he is just always this type of person that you know is there to soak in everything, say information with him and Satterfield and philosophy, uh, but not really go into too much detail about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's probably advantages and disadvantages to being the, the lone holdover. I mean, on the one hand, you're able to build on what you did last year. You already have those existing relationships that Damon was asking about. Um, and, and that kind of, I think, puts you at a, a spot that you're, you know, you're, you're operating a little bit ahead of everybody. Um, you know, he's kind of like some of the guys on the defensive side of the ball where, you know, that this kind of month or so has been a lot about, you know, learning scheme and how guys do things and getting used to how Matt Rule just runs things in the office because I know that it's very, very different than maybe what Donovan Rayola experienced last year um, under the other coaching staff. So I, I think he's probably in, in uh, you know, learning mode. I think he's also, you know, going to be a guy that's not going to share a ton in those kinds of situations anyways. Yeah. But um, I, I do think that, you know, from what we've heard from, from coaches and, and I know from players, I mean, they, they do respect him. He does have a good relationship with a lot of those guys. And, you know, if you look at, you know, what, what the offensive line has had to deal with, with the constant turnover and offensive coordinators, um, you know, you're hearing different things from um, coaching points and stuff like that. I, I think there's probably a little bit of a, a positive and, and maybe having the same voice that you had last season to build on. Bronce, when you're looking at because you, you you picked up on something that we didn't even get to yet, and it's the the divvying up of the responsibilities maybe still is in a little bit of influx. Andrew and I debated or talked and walked through probably about a month right when White was hired, where he would land with the position groups that he would be coaching. Are you a guy? And ultimately, it's going to boil down the trust. I get it. But are you a guy that would go in your field of expertise? Would you stay with the strength of that group? Or would you, because you're the expert, go to where you're the weakest? Where would, where would Michael Brunts focus his time? Well, I mean, I, I think about it this way. Tony White is obviously very familiar with the defense he's going to be running. He knows which position group has to function well in order for that defense to work. 
And I think that's probably where you go is, is, you know, you, you, you kind of are what you emphasize, I think. And if it's, you need to be better up front, you go there. If it's safety play, you you go there. I mean, I, I, I think that having a little bit of a walk around approach is a good thing, but also kind of having a little bit more attention being paid to a particular position group because it's, the defense that he's going to run is very unique in terms of putting the right personnel in the right position. So I think he has to have a pretty good evaluation of just, you know, edges and, and, you know, what linebackers can play in space, who can get up and, and set an edge on uh, at the line. I mean, that there's so much that he has to have kind of his mind wrapped around that. I, I think you probably just go with, with what you know is going to be important. So We'll see what that looks like. I know he's in the past kind of done safeties. Um, You know, he's a linebacker um, from his time at at UCLA. But, um, you know, I I think, you know, this first spring especially, I think he's probably going to have to have his attention in a lot of different places versus just kind of burying your head with one position group and occasionally, you know, doing the walk-around thing. It's interesting. I kind of like that. Um, explanation, right? Okay, where do we have to be good? This is what I'm going to focus on. Because it just seems like Coop's, Coop's going to be the only one that will be exclusive, right? I think he will be the corners guy. I could see every other position, and maybe even including safeties. I don't know yet, if, especially, but not if, if White ends up there. They'll have a couple of guys at each position. Could you see that? It's a little bit more of kind of that pro model, right? Yeah. Like you have you have like the the positional assistant, I guess, the quality control guy that can yep. pop in and help. I mean, that's that's the advantage you have if you have a little bit bigger support staff, is you can have somebody that's you know just safeties or just corners and helping there. And I, I think there's you know a lot of value in that. I mean, that those guys are limited with what they can do, but you know it's it's the same voice in the meeting room. It's somebody that's constantly paying attention to that group, and uh, you know that 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 piece of it is why it was kind of interesting watching all the hires that were kind of quietly made mm-hmm. because I, I think they're going to have a, a little bit more um, manpower to move around and 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 kind of help the you know the the, the ten regular uh, full time assistants. You spoke about evaluations in regards to Tony White, but even player evaluations with Corey Campbell, knowing your body, the best ability is availability, all things that he's emphasizing. How does this year of winter conditioning differ from the Frost era based on either what you've seen or been told so far? Yeah, I mean, I I think at least based on what Corey Campbell said yesterday, I mean, they're not coming in and just – forcing what they're going to do. I mean, obviously they're doing the, the mat drills and that's something that, you know, Matt Rule's staff has always been known for, but you know, they're not, he's not coming in saying that this is what we're going to do. We're going to start doing it maxed out right from the, right from the beginning. And guys just have to adjust to that. I, I think they're, you know, meeting guys a little bit more of where they are. I think they're kind of getting a lay of the land of, of where guys are. And I think that's probably a smart idea. I mean, if, if you, have a you know this huge roster you, you're still trying to figure out what you have and what you don't have I mean it, it makes sense to me that you want to try to get as many of those guys to the spring healthy and able to, to show what they can do so you can get a good evaluation of, of what you have on the team so 
you know, it's a little bit more of a focus, I think, on, on you know, mobility and stretching, a little bit less of the heavy, heavy, heavy weight, um, which is, you know, a change from maybe what they've done in the past. But I, I think uh, a little bit of a, you know, a, a more measured approach is okay, the, the, you know, the first winter out when you're trying to get everything installed and, and figure out what you got. You're plenty good with vocabulary. So the closest word that you can think of to concern, where is where is Brunsey's level of concern with which coach and which position group? Um, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's it's always the lines for me. I mean, I I think those are. I don't know that that's necessarily tied to the the coach even. I mean, I, I think it's so it's not a night and D line thing, Rayola O line thing, right? It's just no. I mean, it, it's those are two areas that you have to be good, and you know that. And you know the, the defensive line. I mean, if you kind of look at what's come out and what's uh, or what's come in and, and what's gone out, I mean, you, you don't have a ton of experience there. I mean, you have some, but um, you know, do you have the personnel? right away to, to be able to run what Tony White wants to do. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think they've added some guys that have a ton of potential there, but um, you know, that, that was a group that last year, it felt like it was that, that top group. And then there was a pretty substantial drop off in play to that second group. And I, I think they got to get that figured out this spring. I mean, that that's a concern. And I don't think it's a necessarily a Terrence Knighton thing. I just think it's uh the, the you know the it, it's kind of the combination the, the the bill is coming due for some of the recruiting misses they've had yeah. in the past and the guys that the, the guys that they haven't developed and that that's a concern so I would probably go there first and then I mean offensive line's kind of the opposite side is you got a lot of the same cast of characters you added you know guy who's probably your starting center how, how do you get that group playing significantly better and it goes back a little bit to kind of what you asked earlier, Damon. I mean, I, those are two positions where you know you have to be good. And that's why I think you're going to get a lot of attention paid to those groups by Matt Rule um, this, this spring and making sure that they're on the right direction. Would you? Did you expect a more – and it's Rayola, so gosh, maybe I'm answering my own question. Did you think he was going to be a little more flowery in terms of the affirmation of Scott? <laughs> <laughs> Flowery? That's such a bad word with with Rayola, but it was a very Donovan Rayola answer when talking about Ben Scott. It was one of his longer answers, but he still only talked about the facts. Uh, Yep, Uh, getting acclimated. Yep, you can tell he's played a lot of ball. Yep, still learning out how we practice and what our expectation level is. So, yeah, it's good. I was just like, that is so DR. Yeah. No, I mean, it's... You answer the question that's asked, right? Like <laughs> that, that, that's the old. Uh, it's almost kind of like you're on the witness stand. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I, I think w- I was expecting a little bit more just based on the fact that there was a prior relationship there, but and a lot of I, tape. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I think also too, it, it's the old coach thing. You don't want to throw too many expectations on the kid. I think they know what he can do. Um, I, I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit where they, when he said they didn't know where he was going to play, it's like, well, I think we kind of know where this is going, but, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I actually thought, that, you know, Don Rayola, that was his best press conference he's done since he's been at Nebraska. I mean, he, he uh, was pretty effusive about Teddy Prohaska um, and, and where he's at and, and the kind of teammate he is. But, um, yeah, I, I, Ben Scott was a huge addition. I mean, I, when, when you can get that center spot nailed and you've got a guy that's got experience doing it, um, you know, I actually thought his short answer about the – the, the specific things you have to have to play the center spot was actually pretty telling because I think they feel that Ben Scott has those attributes as a communicator and as a player. We're talking to Michael Brunts, senior writer for Husker 24-7, at Michael Brunts on Twitter. Michael, I want to take advantage of your range here and uh, ask you a recruiting question now because yesterday Dylan Rayola canceled his visit to Georgia, and I think uh, the general consensus there was, oh, Georgia's out of the sweepstakes and now for Rayola, which I don't think a canceled visit at this point does that, unless you know something that I don't. I feel Georgia, just with the prestige of their program, always has a way to insert themselves into any recruit's conversation. But with the cancellation at Georgia, do you believe that instantly makes Nebraska the new favorite? Uh, I mean, I even before the canceled visit, I mean, I, I felt like Nebraska wasn't necessarily trailing anybody in, in that recruitment. I mean, I think over the last I don't know, six weeks or so, I mean, I, I think Nebraska's put itself in a pretty good spot with him. Um, you know, you, you send the entire staff down there right before the dead period starts. I mean, that, that was impactful. Um, you know, I, I think Matt Rule has, has you know, made no – made it pretty known that Nebraska is going to pursue the heck out of him. Um, and, and I think that that's kind of uh, changed the, the, the trajectory maybe of the recruitment a little bit and put Nebraska right back in the mix. You know, to me, USC has kind of always felt like it's a little bit more of a contender there than maybe the... 100,000% agree. Like, you know, they've always kind of been the third team mentioned there, and I've always thought, well, you know, he, he trains in L.A. Um, you know, obviously... The, the history of developing quarterbacks that they have, that Lincoln Riley has, that's significant. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think it like pushes Nebraska to the front by any means, but I think Nebraska's kind of already been there, I guess, over the last month or so. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a positive uh, for Nebraska, but I, I don't know that it signifies a huge shift in his recruitment right now. God, that, I, I think that's pretty fair to say. God, total bro hug I would give you right there, Brunson. That's about how I would answer that. Um, let me get you out of here on this baseball. <sighs> um, lots, of, lots of things to probably get into there, but what, su- what surprised you the most about what you thought you knew going into the season – that didn't play out in just one weekend. And I want to reiterate that, just one weekend. What was the variance, the greatest variance in Team Bruncey versus what we actually saw? Oh, I mean, 20 20 walks and 10 hit batters is probably uh, not what I expected going into (laughs) it. I mean, I I thought that they uh, pitched well enough at at the front of games. But, you know, coming out of that series – I mean, let, let's say you know, you're, you're protecting a 4-3 lead this weekend. Who, who are you putting in there right oh, now? Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't know that you learned a ton in that series about roles, who handles what, um, that kind of thing. So, 
and and it's it's tough with the walks too because it, it does kind of become a mental thing at some point, and, and people roll their eyes at that. But you, you see guys in front of you walking, guys hitting guys. It, it uh, starts to creep in a little bit for that next guy, and uh, we'll see if they can turn it around. But I, I was uh, expecting a little bit more depth out of the bullpen than what we saw. And that's, and that's a good San Diego team, but you know, Will Bolt said yesterday he didn't feel like those guys were you know really competitive out of the bullpen, and I, I guess that's uh, a little bit surprising given you know the, the veterans that they had in some of those roles. Because I, I thought actually the young guys, you know, Worthley from from uh, Lincoln East, probably the best among them, actually threw okay out of the bullpen. Mm. Michael Bruns, appreciate your time. Thanks so much. We'll talk again soon. You're the man, Bruns. Thanks, guys. Take care. Senior writer for Husker 24-7, Michael Bruns there. Let's go back to a previous conversation that we keep kind of touching on since 8.30, and that's involving the Brandon Miller situation. And uh, we have a caller online, too, now, out of breath, Brian here, to uh, reference some of the YouTube comments that we made uh, at the back end before we got to Bruns. What's up, Brian? Hey, what's going on, Andrew? What's going on, Daniel? B, what's up, buddy? Oh, not much. Just defensive to your show. Liking it today. <laughs> I appreciate Get a little insight that. on the coaching and stuff. But uh, let's see uh, the question you asked off of that uh, Jeremiah Young's comment. Yeah. In the right. YouTube chat. I am not for those type of statements because it kind of reminds me of the Minority Report movie. And I don't like corporations university institutions really overstepping uh, being court of morals in this world because sometimes I want I, I think hey who are you to cast a song mm. if, if they've got I'd like you them I did I read the story earlier. I thought he had it was his gun. Yeah, and I he think a lot. Him. I think a lot of people did. Like we really had to dig, then go back and listen to Burn. I pitted against Oates' comments. I was like, eh, they weren't really in a line Monday and Tuesday at all. That's what they said in the the, the story that I wrote from where I read in the news. They said it was his gun. Right. They named his name. Yeah, there was no if, ands, or maybe. So mm-hmm. then I was I, I had a different idea of my reaction, but. Knowing it's his gun, and the guy said, bring the gun. I know, hey, where I'm from, it ain't my gun. It's his property. And I don't know what type of problem he And if I drop the gun off to him and he do whatever he wants, that's on him. That's on them, in so, my opinion. So, Especially since it's not my gun. should be in my car anyway. Because <laughs> so, so, I get rid of it, the better. You know, I know that sounds kind of cold, but that's how I, I feel about it. Like, if it's not my gun, it's not his gun, I don't really think... There's too much you can't really do about it by the letter of the law. One of the responses, the, one of the responses to Jeremiah was, you know, amazing. Daniel said um, to to Jeremiah, he's like, hey, it was a teammate. He said, so the whole team and coaching staff should have consequences. Are guns illegal in Alabama? And I know he's kind of being rhetorical to prove his point, but it was a it was a registered firearm, and the DA that they asked in Tuscaloosa said, up to this point, there's no correlation or no proof that Miller knew that he was going to use the gun to commit a crime, and they can't prove intent, therefore no charge. Are you are you okay with kind of, well, he didn't know he was what he was going to do with it. So he was just giving the man back his gun. No harm, no. Are you a no harm, no foul guy? 
I, the way I feel, I agree with that statement. That there's nothing I really have on them. If everything is legal, they registered the gun, right? Did what they were supposed to do with that. From that point, if I give the man his gun, if he's legally uh, have obtained it, who am I to really ask him what he's going to do with it or concern myself with it in re in, in reality? Yeah, bad because it's his weapon. He got it legally. Mm. It's just, it's well, just, it's a case of bad judgment, I kind of overall. Be. Because yeah. I mean, when you think about it, like in the instance of when you're delivering it, say you were at a nightclub, drinks were shed, like you can assume something would happen. Yeah, but we're also assuming that but, too. But I don't want to hypothetical. But yeah, assuming is never what you want to do. Yeah. You base it off the facts. Uh, coming up next, sports six pack.